Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. I'm your co-host, Ralph Velasco, and I am here in Balaban, Romania, with a good friend of mine and my local tour operator, Daniel Roshka. He helps us with our rustic and rural Romania trip, and we are just at the end of this one. And I thought I'd bring Daniel on the show because uh, he works with a lot of photographers, that come to Romania and we've been working together for about four or five years now and have had four or five groups that we've brought here and we're actually just at the end of another group. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you very much for inviting me, Ralph. Well, I'm glad you're here and we thought we'd sit down before uh, this trip is over and talk about Romania and why photographers should come here. First of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, I, I do this for about seven years now, being a tour guide and a tour operator. Before that, I lived abroad in four different countries, had jobs in multinationals like Microsoft and Deloitte. And because I really loved traveling, I decided to come back to Romania and start this as, a, as my full-time occupation. And some of my first tourist groups were actually with photographers by coincidence, then it all evolved later on. Right, so you started working with uh, a photography group and then you reached out to us to uh, see if we'd like to come on over to Romania and do a scouting trip and I came over, uh, I guess it was what, 2014 or so? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And uh, you and I worked together very closely for about two, two and a half weeks and we saw a lot of stuff like I normally do on my scouting trips. I probably see two to three times the amount of things that I, I'll actually include in the trip because, of course, it's easier for us as two people to move around and see a lot of things than it is with a group of 10 or 12 people. Um, when you put together the, the initial itinerary for a scouting trip, you kind of had us concentrate on three main regions, right? Yes. There's Bukovina, Maramudish, and Transylvania. Tell me why you, you thought that that would be a good place to start. It's, uh, it, those are the regions which you can also do them in a sort of circle, so a round trip. Um, they're neighboring regions, and they are the regions which, from a historical perspective and a cultural perspective, they have the most to offer to any visitor in Romania, not only photographers. But to photographers more so, you know, it's, uh, there is a lot of mountains, so it's also very beautiful landscapes. Um, so, otherwise there is other regions of Romania which are maybe interesting to visit, but they're just out of the way. Like the Danube Delta, for example, for people interested in birds, but also some, some of the culture there, uh, or uh, in the region Banat in the western part of the country. But those three kind of make sense to put them together. Uh, and this is already the tour we're doing, it's two weeks and uh, you know, adding those other regions would just take even longer. 
Yeah, so I think logistically it just made sense to do it this way. And like you say, the regions are neighboring to each other and they made for a very efficient trip. Mm -hmm. So uh, we spent about three nights in the Matamurish region, which is about, uh, we, and we get to within a kilometer of the Ukraine border and it butts up against the Ukraine border. Uh, let's talk a, a little bit about that part of the country. Um, why was it that you thought that that would be a good place to take me to first? Well, that one is probably my favorite region, especially from a people perspective. Um, it's a region which has, because of its history, has developed the least from the regions that we're visiting. And there is this rural way of life which is preserved there more than in any of the other regions. And geography and landscape has a role in that. Um, so besides that, you, you know, there's people who still do things the old way, like they've done 50 or 100 years ago. We see a little improvements, you know, from year to year, but um, it's still very interesting to see. I, I like to call it as one of the last rural, truly rural corners of Europe, where, where modern farming hasn't really got into yet. Yeah, and I love it you know, from a photography perspective. Number one, from a travel perspective, I just love to meet the people. And the people here are so nice. Um, you know, you and I, when we were driving by on our scouting trip, uh, we'd see some people working in the field. They're um, using the size to cut down the hay. Then they'd use rakes to gather it together. They'd put it into big hay stacks. Uh, but you would get out, talk to them briefly, see if it would be okay if I got out and talked to them first and then made some photographs. And I would say almost 100% of people were open to that, which was absolutely fantastic. We even do it with our bigger groups. Um, and our groups only go up to 10 people, but uh, it's it's a different dynamic when yeah. uh, between you know for you and me to be there. Uh, but when there's a group of 10 people, it's, a, it's it can be a different dynamic. But the locals are still very open to that and for photography like you say it's 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 almost a step back in time seeing these people with the, these traditional tools and doing these things and and i love the way that you explained that uh, a lot of that is because that area is so hilly mm -hmm. that they can't use a lot of mechanized machines right yes or their land is too small to make it profitable to buy a tractor or some other tools. Right. So they have probably a hectare or two of uh, hay fields and uh, they have time, so they just do it, things as they've always done. Yeah, and we it's come- really subsistence farming we're talking about there. Right. Yeah, and we come at this time of year, which is late August, early September, every year, because this is when there's this little window of time when the it's the end of the summer they've they've had a particular a certain amount of rain and that can affect how you know how or when the the, the harvest is and how good it is and um, so I, I love to just pull over and see these folks using these size and cutting down the hay then I, like I said they, they rake it together they they turn it so that it can dry mm -hmm. in the day in the 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 heat of the sun in the day, and then they'll put it into these huge haystacks. And tell us what they use the haystacks for. Yeah, haystacks, it's uh, used for animals. So a lot of the people in the villages there still have 
a couple of cows, a horse or two, uh, maybe some sheep. So while in the summer they can maybe graze on their own somewhere in the garden, um, in the winter they need uh, hay. So that's what they, the, the people work throughout summer to gather that hay and have it as a feed for the animals in the winter. So October to April about, they need to provide them with food. Right, so the, obviously the, uh, there's, the winters here can be somewhat harsh and there's, you know, they're not growing anything in the winter, so they, they're storing up to feed the animals over the course of the winter so that they can continue to provide milk yes. for cheese and, and other uses. Um, and uh, the, 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 the hay that they're, they're using, I mean, when I think of hay, growing up as a Midwestern kid, pretty much a city kid, uh, I always thought of hay as just straw, yeah. and uh, but here it could be made up of fifty different grasses and wild flowers yeah. and herbs. Yeah, like the the I think the big scale farming is done with alfa alfa or other monocrops like this one, but this ones they actually let the grass that usually grows the wildflowers that grow on their land to grow, and at the time when they think is right they cut it and they dry it and that's what the animals are gonna eat throughout the winter yeah and the photo opportunities are fantastic because we're just driving along we see someone working in the fields we determine number one if it's safe to pull over especially if we're with a group and you know how fast we're moving are there slopes that we need to go down which often there may be uh we don't want someone twisting an ankle or something um but we'll get out, you'll talk to them, see if it's okay if we come and photograph. And then more often than not, they're fine with it. And then you've got these beautiful horses with horse carts and they're cutting the hay, loading it onto the carts, putting it into barns. I mean, the photo opportunities are endless. Now you're, you're not a professional photographer, but you enjoy photography yes. and you do a lot and you work with a lot of photographers. Yeah. Um, what are some tips that you've got for people that are you know, driving around these kinds of regions and uh, number one, just meeting the people and, and photographing them? Yeah, first tip would be uh, to, you know, maybe as a photographer, it really sounds, wow, this is going to take a great shot there. But when you get there and meet those people, really act as if you are meeting a friend or, you know, someone that you would stop over in your own country and how would you act? Now, people here are friendly and, you know, if you, if you have the language barrier, of course, it's going to be difficult to, to communicate, but at least say hello, spend some time looking at what they're doing. And, you know, at some point you can ask, you know, can I you know, point at the camera and ask if you can take a, a picture. And most, most times people are okay with that. It's almost like anywhere in the world. Just yeah. have a conversation, show interest. Yeah. Don't just jump out of the vehicle, yeah. point the camera yeah. at someone. Yeah, because, and also oftentimes, you know, I hear from photographers. Photographers are people too. So the, that human connection that you establish with someone, even without the, the language, uh, it's, it's, it, can, it can, you know, kind of warm up the hearts of uh, that kind of, the, how welcoming the people are and how friendly they are and, you know, they have no problem being photographed most of the times. Yeah, and, and we're lucky because we have you, and of course you speak the language, and you speak English very well, and you can interpret, 
But there are times when I'm out on my own here or in other countries where I might speak three or four words of the mm. language. Hopefully I've learned how to say hello, please, thank you, may I take your photo. But uh, the conversation doesn't go much further than that. But uh, I've had great conversations, and I'll use air quotes, with people that uh, we speak very little of each other's mm. languages. And these are some of the most heartwarming travel experiences that I can imagine. And there's really no real verbal conversation, but it's just that common human yes. with yeah, gestures and laughing and, and, yeah. and, you know, and you can show interest uh, without actually speaking the language. Yeah, and I, I actually recommend, you know, not just walking in and out, walking in, take a picture, walk out. Walk in, have a look, you know, socialize a little bit. Yes, take some pictures, but stay even longer. And if you probably stay even longer, the action kind of evolves, you know. While you maybe at first see people gathering the hay in the field, then after half an hour, maybe they're going to start putting it into a pile or load it on a horse cart or a tractor. Or uh, they're going to be done with the work and they're going to be start working towards the village with the pitchforks on their shoulder and that creates other kind of opportunities for you. So take time, don't be in a rush and actually enjoy the, the socializing and even give a helping hand, you know, because when, uh, when they will see you coming there, oftentimes they will point to you to the pitchfork or the, and, and help. I mean, you know, they're not expecting serious help, but it's a nice way to socialize and there you don't really need words. And it's a fun to play with hay. <laughs> and, and we actually did this with a small subset of our group uh, the other day. Some people were tired or they didn't want to go out. And so maybe five, uh, five folks went out with us. And we had just a great time with this one family that we saw in the field. It was a daughter, mother-in-law, a couple brothers. And they couldn't be... Um, you know, more open to being photographed, and then uh, they took one of the women and put her up into the to the horse cart, and she had fun riding on the horse cart. We got group shots together. I mean, that'll be a memory that I'll have and that that, that our guests had forever. Yeah, it, it's it's so fun to do those kinds of things. So let's move on to uh, Bukovina region, sure. which is so we go over the the mountains. We got the Carpathian Mountains yeah. here. Tell us about uh, some of the things that we see on the way. Yeah, so, you know, hay is present in Bukovina too. It's just done in a different way. Uh, the drying part, the storing part, and so on. But while Maramures, from a um, built heritage perspective, has the wooden churches, uh, Bukovina has the painted monasteries. Yeah. And uh, both those are hundreds of years old. Like the painted monasteries are four or five hundred years old. The wooden churches, some of them two, three hundred years old. So it's uh, it, they are impressive and they are UNESCO World Heritage sites. So they're in, in well preserved and in good shape. And uh, often they are in um, beautiful uh, settings, which also those make up for interesting uh, photography. In Bukovina Plus, we have uh, uh, the tradition of painting eggs. So we visit a workshop of a lady who does this craft. And uh, we visit, in Bukovina, we visit a blacksmith. This is one of the bl busiest blacksmiths that I know. I know also in Maramures or other regions blacksmiths, but this guy does like three, four horses a day, which is uh, quite uncommon 
in most parts of Romania where horse carts are slowly disappearing. Mm. So there, no matter when we go, we find them working, except, you know, if it's a holiday, religious holiday or Sunday. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, just we're talking about the people, but yeah, just the other sites to see, like you said, you've got these these 400-year-old wooden churches. Briefly tell us why they were made out of wood. Yeah. Um, Maramuresh, another name that we use for it is the land of wood. Uh, people made houses, churches, wooden gates, a lot of things out of wood. It's just a craft that has uh, developed a lot in that region. And the wooden churches, most of them, they were built by the Romanian Orthodox uh, community, but also the Greco-Catholic. And uh, they were at the time built at the time when uh, that region was under the occupation of uh, the Austrians, Hungarians, which were Catholics. And they allowed Romanians to build churches only out of wood, not out of stone, because a stone church would last much longer. Well, the wooden ones also lasted. Now we we still see them standing after three hundred years. Yeah, they. I guess they didn't realize how long or how well they were going to be built, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's oak. The base of it, the body of it, and uh, yes, the even the roof is from wood. But those one they need to change it every twenty, thirty years. So some of the deterioration deterioration happened because of the roofs not being changed on time. Otherwise, the bodies of the church, they, they're very solid and they can go on for many hundreds of years from now on. And we go see how they make the, the tile roofs or the tiles for the roofs. Wooden shingles. The yeah. wooden shingles, yeah. yeah. And and that's really interesting because, I mean, there's just tens of thousands of these very small roof shingles that go on to these very large churches. Yeah. And so we go and see how those those are made, which is very interesting. So um, on the way to Bukovina, we also stop and we see some the, the mushroom pickers, right? Yes. Yeah, it's um, now late summer is the season where porcini mushrooms um, uh, grow in the forest. So there is uh, some camps of porcini mushroom pickers who come there for a certain period of time, a month or so, uh, gather it uh, and then sell it further. So we stop there one usually, but we can see that in both Maramuresh and Bukovina too. So you know, I was when we went out to the painted monastery in Suchevica, I found the mushroom myself, <laughs> which I then donated to the nuns, and they were very happy to to take it. <laughs> right now, uh, moving on to Transylvania. Talk to us about a town like uh, Sigishwara that we go through. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, <coughs> Transylvania is probably the most known region of Romania, um, and uh, probably not for the best of reasons. You know, it's associated with Dracula, and you know, everybody, not everybody, you know, there are some people who actually read about it and they figure out that actually it's a, it's a, it's a fiction book. Uh, written and placed here in Transylvania, but uh, the region is so rich from a historical perspective. There's been, there's a lot of fortifications, fortified towns, fortified churches. Um, it's as rich as many of the Western European cities from that perspective. And uh, Sigishwara, it's a, 
It's one of those uh, fortified towns which is the best preserved because of it's small and on a hilltop. So the walls, the towers, the buildings there have been well preserved. It's a UNESCO uh, UNESCO site, and again, it gives an opportunity to to step back in time and really enjoy beautiful architecture as it was done hundreds of years ago. You know, something I don't think we've ever done is actually count how many UNESCO sites we go to on this trip. And that would be interesting because Mm -hmm. I'll bet it's like nine or ten at least. And, um, you know, Sigishwada itself being one, and it's such a cool medieval town. It's really well preserved, has these very rough cobbled streets, beautifully colored uh, buildings. It's so picturesque and and photogenic. Uh, can be a little bit touristy during the daytime mm. when there's a lot a lot of day trippers and things like yeah. that. But early in the morning, later in the afternoon and evening, it's it's just a marvel. It's wonderful. I love to bring our groups there, uh, and it's it's known as the birthplace of Vlad the Impaler, yes. who is. Place place of pilgrimage again with codes for for the people who are after Vlad and Dracula stories. Because the the story goes that Dracula was sort of based on Vlad the Impaler in a way, right? Or well, the name Dracula comes actually from Vlad's father. His so father. He had the nickname Dracula. Gotcha. Okay, Dracula is a word uh, that originates in Romanian. Drac means devil, so he was. Mm-hmm had the name name of Vlad the, of the devil, something like this. Mm-hmm. So that's the name originates in Romania. And then the rest of the story about vampires and so on, it's not necessarily a Romanian thing. It's Bram Stoker's imagination or research or whatever else he did to come up with that book. But he plays the action in Transylvania. Yeah, and he, Bram Stoker, never even been to Romania. No. But he placed the story here, and of course, Dracula but, being a fictional uh, character. The action, actually, of the book is not what Bran Castle is that people associate. Right. Bran Castle has nothing to do with yeah. Vlad or Dracula. The, the action is somewhere like two, two, three hundred miles north. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible, and and we go to the Bran Castle with our group, um, pretty much because it's probably one of the only things that people have heard about unfortunately of Romania is Transylvania Dracula so we go there plus we it's a beautiful castle but uh, and it's on the way to our last stop which happens to be where we are right now yeah. which is uh, an area called Balaban gorgeous rolling hills beautiful old wooden shacks and hay uh, hay barns and it's just so picturesque and what a beautiful way to end up this trip but we, before we get here Talk to us a little bit about Sibiu, which uh, is probably my favorite town of many here in Romania, and actually a place that you've moved to. Yeah, it's also my favorite town. So I moved there from Timisoara to Sibiu this year uh, because by doing this for seven years, I got to like it a lot. And I noticed that the best feedback I got from people was also about Sibiu. You know, uh, I got people saying that oh, I would like to live here for a while. <laughs> Who would that be? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're not the only one. Yeah. And um, so it, it also its uh, its advantage is that it's in the center of the country, and it even offers many possibilities for day trips for me 
for by myself or with other groups when I come here. So there's mountains nearby, there's other castles, fortresses. Um, and the city itself is bigger than Sigishwaga, but it has the same kind of charm, medieval charm. It's a, It feels less touristic because it's bigger and there's more locals into it. Though then in the main square there is usually something going on and it attracts crowds. It's a city which has been European cultural capital and it's going to be a region of uh, European region of gastronomy in 2019. And they are there it's one of those places in Romania where they're working on our cuisine uh, by you know c keeping the tradition and the ingredients but kind of bringing that food of ours which is usually more heavy hearty into the 21st century turning it into a more gastronomic cuisine and uh, some of the people who went on this group kind of experienced that and they they really liked it um, compared to maybe other regions of the country. Yeah, the, the food here is very hearty. It's very filling. Uh, a lot of polenta, a lot of pork. Potatoes. Potatoes, beans. yep, yeah. A lot of starches, but uh, very, very good food and a lot of it, to be sure. Uh, one of the things that we get to Sibiu sort of in the late afternoon, early evening on the first night, um, Oftentimes there's something going on in the middle of the square. This year there happened to be some uh, sort of religious event with a lot of dancing and people dressed in traditional clothing. Really, really nice. But then one of my favorite things to do on this whole trip is take the group out the next morning mm -hmm. about 7.30, so not too early. But the streets that were filled with hundreds and even thousands of people during the day are absolutely completely empty yeah. and it is just such a charming city uh, it's got beautiful architecture and buildings that uh, have that patina on them that where the paints crumbling but it's just beautiful and everyone loved it and we had such a gorgeous morning this year uh, it was nice and crisp and cool and beautiful clouds really nice sunrise so love to do that where we get to these towns that can be somewhat touristy at least during the middle of the day and then you get people out the next morning and they just f fall in love with it even more well likewise i would say is uh, you know you've come always in august september and uh, the cities there those like sigishwara sibiu they're more busy during the middle of the year but i i really like them in late autumn early spring or even winter with snow on them yeah. it's uh, and then you really you know in the mornings again is there also empty but all the events and festivals they're mostly gone mm -hmm. except in Sibiu when you have a Christmas market which is the most beautiful one in the country mm. and uh, it's yeah I enjoy those other times of the year when most people don't travel to to Romania yeah and I we've talked about I, I would love to come here in the fall because I can imagine the colors must be just gorgeous. And winter as well. I love Christmas markets. Mm -hmm. The first trip I ever did with the group was to the Central European Christmas markets. And I would love to see the Christmas markets here. Mm -hmm. That would be wonderful. Uh, so then uh, leaving Sibiu, we stop in Brasov, yeah. which um, is another fairly good sized town, but with a beautiful old town. Um, yeah, we, we stop there, we have some free time, people can photograph, 
go have some lunch. Then we stop at the Braun Castle, which is known as Dracula's Castle, but like yeah. you said, has absolutely nothing to do with uh, with him. And uh, we stop there briefly, and then we end up in Balaban. Yeah, but before that, maybe I should also mention some of the other places that we stop in between places, mm -hmm. which were mentioned by quite a few of people as the highlights. So there was the winery yes. for lunch that we had mm -hmm. uh, between Bukovina and Transylvania. Mm -hmm. Then we had uh, the, the glass, glass factory, which was the highlight for some of the people in the trip. Yeah, I, excuse me, I meant to mention that for sure because the glass factory is something that we did for the first time last year. And you took us there and I want you to tell us about it, but what I loved about it, is it's so photogenic. Mm -hmm. uh, the inside, you've got these people working and they're, they're uh, well, you tell us about it. Yes, okay, so it's, it's glass made the old way where they actually melt the sand in high temperatures. So it comes like this orange ball of fire and then you see these people starting you know uh, uh, handling not with the hands but with their tools which are as old as glass making probably mm -hmm. and uh, then they blow it they make the shapes it's all done by by hand uh, then they do uh, even the polishing of the glass is done by by hand at the end and and, and wrapping and it's a um, it's a high quality glass that is um, being done for big companies or big events. In, from what they've told me, you know, like the um, uh, Master Chef uh, uh, glassware is done there. The for the wedding of Prince William from the UK, all the glassware, or most of it or a lot of it, was done there, and so on. So and they work with very big clients, very demanding finally very expensive kind of glass because there is a lot of work put into it and there is a lot of uh, very little tolerance for defects so it has to be perfect and it's hard to get it perfect by hand yeah and, and they uh, they actually do the glass blowing so you see this really cool uh, system of people working as a team i just love to watch people doing what they do well and then you have a team uh, that you know, they don't even have to talk, but there are four or five people that are all working together. And uh, so then, like you said, they have this glowing orange orb of hot glass on the end of this long... Over 1,000 Celsius. Oh, jeez. And uh, so the, the man motioned to me to come over and try to blow it. And, oh, my God, I, I screwed up so badly, and he knew I was going to. <laughs> I, th I have a feeling he knew it was going to be a bad one, right? No, they know. It's a, it takes them 10 years to do oh, it yeah. right. So. Yeah. I think he knew that uh, what he brought up. Yeah, it was just a great way to get our people involved because mm -hmm. several of us did it. Of course, we did it terribly. We had a great laugh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then we moved on. But to watch these people make these beautiful decanters and wine glasses and other just beautiful pieces of art that yeah uh, for me after going there it gave me a whole new appreciation of glasses sure and what does it mean and now i can recognize which one is handmade and which one is made in a factory like by uh, you know mass production mm -hmm. beautiful stuff yeah okay and so some other things mm -hmm. probably is the the family who does uh, who's who doing copper spits. It's a right. gypsy Roma family, mm -hmm. which is very they're very traditional. You know, dressed up with the colorful clothes, and they they're very welcoming. And it's a 
Uh, I, I want to mention this one because it really breaks stereotypes of of gypsy of gypsy people in general. And we're there in their homes. They are so welcoming. They show us their clothes. They offer us their drinks. They're we're we're feeling like we're in our own homes. Yeah, and the, they've got th- uh, three daughters and one son, and uh, so it's a fairly good sized family and big big house. And they're coppersmiths, so they show us how they make the different copper uh, utensils and things. Really, really very photogenic. The people are very open to being photographed. The, the light inside their house was just beautiful. Yeah, the studio there. Incredible. Just, I mean, just perfect and great backgrounds. And they danced for us. And then from there, we went to lunch mm-hmm. at an organic farm, which yeah. this was the first time that we did this. And that was wonderful. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's um, uh, we have these small scale farms all over Romania where. Uh, in Europe, we have the largest number of such farms. They are decreasing because it's a it's a hard life. But uh, this uh, family, they've uh, they went a step further and uh, they invite people, groups, tourists to come and have lunch in their in their place. And everything that they put on the table is uh, done by them. They have their own wheat. They grind their own flour. They make their own bread. And I like uh, the quote of our host there, Vili, it's his name, when he um, brings the butter and says that this was yesterday's wildflowers. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he especially went out and picked some a handful of wildflowers uh, for me. And it was the first time I'd ever really just tasted a, a, a pure flower like that and it was spicy mm-hmm. it was flavorful it was unbelievable i just loved it i'd never i never knew, knew that you know, that 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 really existed and the food was fantastic um but all organic just a really nice place so that was a nice surprise that you gave me because i hadn't been there before yeah. yeah and you know in this this is the fourth tour we do together uh we we always made some changes and improvements and I think uh, they're welcome by you and mm-hmm. well this year we had actually someone coming on the tour the second time uh, so she was on the first tour that we did together yeah. and there were plenty of surprises for her too yeah, yeah there were at least four or five th- new things that she saw and I think she enjoyed the the tour a lot she now came with her boyfriend mm-hmm. well that's what we like to Farming. do is uh, always kind of always improve our trips and maybe take something out that wasn't as highly rated by everyone or that you know maybe it changed over the course of the year which does which uh, over the course of the years which does happen uh, and so we'll eliminate something and add something mm-hmm. else in and so this year we've had a lot of really great great additions uh what else uh, viscri we yeah. go to viscri which is yeah viscri is another unesco site it's a uh, we visit their uh, fortified church as the main thing to see. Um, in Transylvania, is the largest number of fortified churches anywhere in the world. Uh, besides that, we visit this. Uh, this year also was new for you when we went to this uh, uh, bread factory or uh, bakery, let's call it. But they don't do croissant or things like this. They do bread again the days they've done for hundreds of years. And it's a big loaf of bread that they put, and they really heat up the oven, so that burns the bread on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then they spend time cleaning it. 
So first beating it with the stick and then actually polishing it with the machine that they came up with to get it done. So from this black color, it turns into a very beautiful orange color. Um, and so this is not even in Romania quite common. It's just a few places that do this. Yeah, so they, they put upwards of 60 of these loaves, which can weigh as much as four or five kilos. They burn them to beyond belief. <laughs> and because the loaves are so big, they need to burn it so that it cooks all the way inside. Sure. So then they take it out, and these women take these big kind of sticks and just pound it and get all the burnt part off. And then, like you say, uh, in this case, the man took it and he used a grinder to grind off all the rest. And then he's got this beautiful loaf of bread. Yeah. It, it was such a great sight to see. I, I love, love going to those kinds of things. Great. Well, um, let's just end up here in Balaban mm -hmm. and uh, talk to us about this part. Yeah, this is um, a, another traditional part of Romania, this... Uh, rolling hills towards the mountains which have been used a lot for for uh, animal um, animals cows sheep now sheep are still up in the mountains but they're going to come down in the com in the coming weeks so you have you have this uh, fenced areas you know some are used for grazing some are used for hay you see the barns here we have two mountains left and right so sun comes from behind one and goes you know, sun sets in the other direction. Those are both national parks. Uh, we're not actually really in a village. We're above it, somewhere at around 3,000 feet here. But we're looking at the mountains, which are which are higher. So we have a 360 view, uh, which changes, you know, from uh, hour to hour. And uh, always interesting light here. Um, now today was pretty uh, cloudy but uh, uh, the mornings or yesterday afternoon was very interesting we had a very beautiful um, sun going down mm -hmm. and in the morning you woke up for the sunrise yeah we did, at about 6 30 I took a group out and we uh, did sunrise we had pretty nice sunrise and uh, it's just a one-lane road that uh, it's maybe three four kilometers one one kilometer, oh geez, yeah. So one kilometer long, and uh, but to the forest, I mean. Yeah, and then we, but uh, we come to this sort of the end of the road, and it's these two or three small buildings with a few units in each one. But our small group of ten or twelve of us took over the whole property, mm -hmm. and we have a common area to eat. It's just beautiful. And uh, a lot of free time, and people go out when the light changes, which it does all day long. And uh, and then tonight we're going to do an image review. And so we we do uh, on this trip we do two image reviews. I, I like to do an image review on all our trips. So in the middle of the trip, uh, ask everyone to submit anywhere from five to seven images from the trip, and we project them in front of the whole group. And then I give feedback and a critique and people can learn from each other. It's a really great way to learn. Um, you've sat through the ones that we've done yeah. here. Um, as a non-professional photographer, mm -hmm. have you learned some things? Just sure, from yes. I mean, the first review that we did, even though usually tell people, you know, try to post pictures that not everybody got, mm -hmm. but in reality, the, everybody submitted pictures 
almost completely different from each other. So in those seven days, there was such a diversity of things to photograph um, that there was almost no two pictures of the same situation right. or person mm -hmm. or even a church or a haystack. It was all all different. And I like that about uh, photographers, how each of them sees different things in, uh, and it makes me think also more as, you know, there's my developing my, my photography. Yeah. And I yeah. look forward to see, you know, uh, what they came up with now for uh, this second part of the trip and uh, see some improvements from, you know, starting from the feedback you provided them halfway through. Right. So we're at the, the last e the evening of the last full day. So we're doing our second review and we'll see, uh, hopefully people have uh, gotten even better shots. And I was really impressed with the ones that they did get even on the first part of the trip. So I just think it's a great way to learn from each other, see what other people are seeing. And Romania and this trip particularly just gives such a variety. And like you say, you hardly see any two similar shots because there's so many different things that people can photograph and that attract different people. You know, some people like the landscape, some people like the people or the food or whatever they're photographing. Well, Daniel, I can't thank you enough for spending this time with me and uh, our listeners and helping us to understand Romania and what there is to see and photograph here. So uh, where can people find out more about you and, and your trips online? Yeah, um, I have a, the, my travel agency is called Via Transylvania Tours, and I have two websites, viatransylvania.com, and more recently I got a, another website called True Romania Tours. So if you just type those on Google, it's going to be probably the first results that you get. And we'll certainly put links to those in the show notes. Mm -hmm. uh, are you on Facebook or social media? Yes, on uh, Facebook I have my own profile, Daniel Roshka, and then two profiles for those two uh, companies, two websites. Or, sure. yeah, One focuses more on Romania, one more on Transylvania. Because I actually started more with Transylvania in mind. So that was the first company. And then with time I expanded it more to all parts of the country so that's why the second name true romania tours great well can't thank you enough for being on the show thank uh, you very much for inviting me for those of you who'd like to find out more about me please go to photoenrichment.com or you can google my name and you can follow me at ralph falasco and at photo enrichment on all the social media networks and go to photoenrichment.com and you can find out about all our upcoming trips. But from here, I am heading to Georgia and Armenia to do some scouting, then back to Portugal for a little bit more scouting. Then I'll be back in the U.S. for about a month, and I'm heading into uh, the end-of-the-year schedule of India, Cambodia, Vietnam, and then I may do some scouting in some other locations in Asia, including Malaysia, and perhaps Bali and Chiang Mai, Thailand. So uh, in the meantime, let's get out and shoot.